Hello everyone and welcome to the Coffee with a Recruiter podcast, I'm your host Jose. Hopefully you all had a chance to attend RecFest, an amazing event where talent acquisition professionals can learn from other businesses, speakers and fellow colleagues. I wanted to know, how do you set up a stand at RecFest? How do you prepare and deliver a presentation as a speaker? And what were the best moments from the event? Oh, and of course, how do you deal with the scorching hot weather we're having in the UK? Here to answer these questions are Sophie Power from Zinc and Kish Lakani from Adobe, both were RecFest partners and speakers that are here to tell us all about RecFest on the Coffee with Recruiter podcast. Sophie, you go first. Oh, such a gent. Oh, we were doing that awkward uh, <laughs> way yeah. to see who would speak first. Yeah, I'm, I'm good, thank you, chaps. It's, uh, yeah, it's a bit of a warm one here in the UK at the moment, um, certainly at the time of recording. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm good. Um, I am ginger, but I am coping. Um, how are you both? <laughs> yeah, very good, very good. I mean, um, thank you, Sophie, for 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 making it to this podcast, um, and uh, I'm very keen to sort of unpack uh, a little bit your experience in breakfast and. Uh, sort of the stand and uh, how that process went about otherwise yeah. you know super good but also super sort of warm barely having any sleep barely surviving in this in this hot weather I'm not gonna lie but otherwise can't complain I mean it's nice and warm and sunny going out for walks is, is okay if you're not going out at like your 1 p.m 2 p.m when yeah. it's like just burning inferno heat raining from from the sky but otherwise very very good how about you Kish how are you doing I'm doing good um I'm I was born and raised in the hot country so I'm coping better than most but the the heat wasn't quite like this though this is a bit of a different heat I don't think I've ever experienced 40 degree heat like that before um and also you know the minute I've opened my door and went outside outside the flat it just the the heat just hits you it's almost like when you Mm -hmm. open an oven door so yeah I've been staying in as much as I can, which is a shame because, you know, we hardly ever get good weather. And then when we get good weather, it's scorching hot. So, yeah. But apart from that, all good. Yeah, it's definitely yeah. that just opening a, an oven, like it's just opening the door. Like I'd rather stay inside. It's like very, very cool inside. Like for the first time, I'm like, you know, usually it's like when I see the sun outside, I'm like dying to go out. But this is one of the few times where it's like sunny outside. So I'm like, yep. no, I'm staying inside, I think. So uh, should be yeah. fine. Um, briefly yeah. before jumping into, into Fest, any any tips to cope with the weather? You know, lots of sunscreen, maybe a hat, maybe, I don't know if you guys are doing the ice pack, sort of carrying those around or, or having them in front of the ventilator, anything along those lines or? Yeah, I, um, so factor 50, SPF. 50. Um, again, I, I am a redhead, so I'm always very careful in the sun. Don't go out in it much at midday anyway. Um, SPF 50, loose, comfortable clothing uh, and a hat to cover your face. Um, yep. Um, when putting sunscreen on your face, which you should do every day. Mm. Um, don't forget your neck as well. Um, uh, but the main thing is stay hydrated. Just loads of water more than you'd normally drink um i did did very briefly in a past life live in northern australia um so i i have existed in this heat before but yeah um everywhere was uh air conditioned um and the lifestyle and, and also the buildings weren't insulated to trap heat in um, like they are all here uh so um yeah it was it was much much easier uh to manage and handle but um yeah uh, those would be my my top tips. Some good advice there. I, I unfortunately don't think I have any nuggets of wisdom. Um, I'm living in a place that only gets sunlight from 3 p.m., 4 p.m. onwards. Oh. So I'm, uh, I miss the scorching heat. But right now, uh, the flat starts heating up now, but it's not as hot as it has been. Last year, wow. well, during lockdown, I was living in a, in a one-bed flat, which had windows both north and south facing. Okay, yeah. Or, or east and west. Whenever wherever the sun rises and sets, basically yeah. in the morning the sun would hit the living room and the whole flat was boiling and then the evening the sun would set and hit the bedroom. Yeah. So there's no way you could escape it. It felt like I was living yeah. in a sauna. I didn't have a balcony yeah. either, so I'm just grateful. I'm grateful I've got a slightly bigger space that's not in direct sunlight. Um yeah. my my advice is just drink as much water as you can. I hardly drink water. I'm always I'm notorious for it. My partner keeps reminding me to keep having water. So 
<laughs> I think I think that's the main thing. Stay hydrated is the only advice I can give. Of course, yeah. of course. Only thing I could really add is buy a bunch of fans. I mean, yeah. I have literally two fans pointed at me right now, and even that's not nearly enough. So yeah. buy as many, um, hoard all the vans, get all the vans. Uh, yeah, buy them in the winter. Buy them in the winter. You know, uh, never mind preparing for a summer body in winter. Prepare for summer weather in winter. Yeah. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's what I do because they're, they're all cheap there, aren't they? Um, My biggest regret was not buying the one of those tower fans i saw it for yeah. really cheap in winter and i was like oh yeah i don't think about it now i've been thinking about that fan every day since this heat wave <laughs> yeah yeah i bet i bet yeah it's, sure. it's definitely one you need to prepare for well well look um so um very keen to to discuss your your experiences at uh at Wreckfest and and what that whole sort of experience was like setting up things and then sort of giving the the talks and everything uh overall it was yeah. a very fun experience as um as an attendee for me it was very enjoyable to speak to recruiters to hear the talks to see the stands to to really be among like-minded people that want to provide value and yeah. um, uh, of course sell a, sell a service, but also some good services out there, right? Um, uh, if possible, can you guys give a little little intro to, to, um, to sort of what you do currently at your company and then go into, into, into RecFest and what the experience was like? Sure, sure. Um, so I am Sophie Bauer, talent lead at Zinc. Um, we are a background checking and reference provider. So the way that we work is um, our platform uh, automates the process, so removes a lot of the manual kind of tasks related to uh, pre-employment checks. Um, so certainly, obviously, I use it for the hires we make, so it's been saving me a lot of time. So I just press a button rather than send all of the emails, uh, which is fantastic. So. Yeah, it was Zinc's first Wreckfest stand. So really exciting. Um, really exciting for the team. Um, I have been a, a long-time attendee of Wreckfest. Uh, that's actually where Kish and I first met um, at Wreckfest in 2018. Um, so it's great that, that he's joining today. Um, and so, yeah, it was quite interesting for me to step from, from, you know, sort of have a foot in both worlds. I went as a delegate, but also did a talk. And my team had a stand there. So, um, yeah, that was, that was quite interesting. Mm, sure, sure. Thank you for the intro, uh, Sophie. Um, how about you, Kish? How, how did it go? In, and I believe, what's it like at uh, Adobe, I believe it is, right? That's correct, yeah. I'm currently working at Adobe. I'm the sourcing lead um, for, for Europe. I currently manage four people with a fifth joining uh, and hiring for another so if you're a source to listen to this podcast please feel free to reach out I had to throw a quick plug in there of course i've got the recruiter absolutely. Done. Please do. Absolutely. Um, but yeah i've been in recruiting and sourcing um nine years i've done both i've done the recruiter role i've done the sourcer role the source role has always been something that's you know been a bit I'm, i've been passionate about i'm really nerdy so it combines the, the nerdy side i have along and the nerdy interests i have just in general in tech with recruiting. So, you know, it allows me to be the best self, be my best self rather, I should say. Um, so yeah, currently managing a lot of the strategy, doing a lot of my own hiring as well, as well as managing the team. Uh, but yeah, Wreckfest, I've been going since 2018. I believe the only year I've missed since 2018 was the last one that happened, which was last year, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I think, you know, still kind of in and out of lockdown. I wasn't sure about getting tickets. So should have gone in hindsight. It seemed like a great event, but a massive advocate of Wreckfest. Absolutely love it. And I've met a lot of great people through it, including Sophie. Yeah, same, same. I mean, I, I regret not going to the earlier ones. I mean, I was always sort of on the fence. Should I go? Should I not go? But after going to this first one, I realized how much I was I was missing. Although I did make a move at like 5 p.m. And that's apparently where the fun really started. I mean, I saw some pictures of <laughs> the event at the end of the day. And there, there was concerts and DJs. And you missed Reggie H's DJ. That was, that was my yeah. highlight. Yeah, 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 yeah. What was, what was the, the... Sophie, did you stay afterwards or did you also make um, an early move? 
Yeah, I did. I did. So the team, uh, the team wanted to kind of kick back at the end of a, a very long day. Um, I must confess, I was really flagging by the end of the day um, and desperately craving a lie down. But I had got up at five o'clock in the morning um, yeah. and got to bed at about one a.m. So I, you know, I did it justice. But uh, yeah, yes, the team went to see uh, Judge Jules, and yeah, that was that was really cool. Um, bit of a throwback for me um, from. Uh, you know, my one time uh, post school leavers trip to Ibiza back in the noughties. But um, yes, uh, yeah, it was, it was good fun. But um, it's interesting because I think the after party thing, you know, that's evolved over the past couple yeah. of years because certainly uh, the first breakfast that, that Kish and I uh, met at uh, 2018, it was very much like. Uh, you know, they were kind of chivying us out towards like the early evening. Um, we kind of had to make our own after party, which is how we yeah. kind of started talking. Exactly, exactly. And the same for 2019 as well, sort of the big festival style at um, uh, Mudshoot Park, Park. Yes, well remembered. Um, and, you know, sort of it ended up with me and a couple of the, the DVR admins uh, sort of heading up to Shoreditch. The beer that was my and, fault. And I'm sorry. <laughs> I promised oh, everyone a great so time, and it took us like two hours to get there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because we wanted to try and get into Dishoom, but obviously, you know, uh, that was never going to happen. Um, it was, yeah. Yeah, it was good fun though. But yeah, usually you made your own after party, so it's a little bit special this year. Um, and Margate, I was there uh, both of them last year, and uh, yeah, it was a uh, you know very kind of chilled, sort of relaxed. It's kind of what you'd expect from a seaside vibe. Um, so yeah, so this year was a, a bit special, I think. And look, I mean, keen to know sort of what was the, the process of setting up, you know, from not being involved to, in Wreckfest to, to being involved, setting things up um, and keen to know also any, any particular outcomes, like uh, what's uh, any, any meaningful contacts so far, like how, how did things go overall, would you say, like from setting up to the end result? Yeah, so I think really for the Zinc team, um, and I say the Zinc team because the, you know, sort of my involvement in the planning and the organisation, all of the difficult bits was, was you know, bare minimal. So this is full credit to uh, my absolutely awesome team. But, um, you know, the, the planning really started last year. So uh started kind of by uh, the team. I didn't work for Zinc at the time um i worked for another hr tech vendor actually um but uh it turns out that we were actually me and the co-founders um were actually sat on the exact same talk a couple of chairs away from each other didn't even you know hadn't even connected at this point which is quite quite funny really um but yeah so it started by attending uh, the talk the year before um and just getting a feel for for sort of you know the vibe and and sort of how people interact at Wreckfest to get an idea of what kind of stand to, to kind of put out there. And I did meet a couple of vendors this year that did a similar thing, um, you know, sort of bought vendor tickets, attended just to get kind of a feel for the atmosphere and, and how people kind of interact with Wreckfest, which I think is really useful for any vendors that are considering uh, coming along and, and having a stand, but don't quite know where to start. Um, and then, you know, we put a lot of planning into, you know, uh, you know, sort of what's going to attract people to the stand, what's going to add value to their, their experience. Um, how can we, uh, you know, sort of make it fun? Um, breakfast is a lot of fun. So the stand has to be a lot of fun. Um, and what kind of cool merch are we going to give out that isn't going to end up uh, in, in landfill straight away? So, uh that's probably where I had uh, the most valuable input um, as somebody who gets, you know, grabs swag without hesitation or shame. Um, mm. So I, I love a bit of swag. Um, so, uh, yes, yeah, so we came up with, uh, we, well, we, they uh, really uh, came up with the idea of uh, doing a coffee stand. Um, so we hired a coffee tuk-tuk, gave out free coffee in zinc branded coffee cups. Um, and then... We uh, gave out zinc-branded coffee. There's quite a funny story I could go into about how we actually obtained the coffee, um, if anyone's interested. <laughs> um, and uh, we came up, well, I, actually, I, I, I came up with the, uh, the slogan um, that we went with for the day, which was recruitment runs on coffee, background checks run on zinc. 
um, which I think is genius. Um, yeah, yeah. And I will never get tired of bragging about that. Um, but it went down really well. Um, so much so I actually don't have my own zinc recruitment runs on coffee t-shirt um, because they all went. <laughs> um, mm. And uh, I didn't get a chance. <laughs> yeah, Maybe they should get more fun. printed. I definitely wanted one I missed out too. Yeah, yeah, it, it would be really cool. Uh, I can testify, recruitment does run on coffee. That is very hundred percent. It really does, and um, yeah, in terms of like successes, um, so far it's it's really good. Um, you know, so we did like a spin the wheel competition, so people could win bags of of branded coffee, or t- you know, grab t shirts, laptop stickers. We all love laptop stickers, don't we? Um, and uh, all of that good stuff, and and the response we've had is really good. So our Mine and, and my colleague Matt's talk went really well. Um, it was quite early in the day, so I think people were still having, you know, sort of still kind of filtering in. Um, so, uh, but yeah, the, the audience that we did have that were really engaged and really interested, which was quite exciting because I've done talks before where I've sort of given the talk and I'm like, any questions? And it's just been crickets. Mm. Um, and you're like, okay, cool. Did anybody listen to a word of but no idea um, <laughs> but it was really nice to know that that people did um and i i was i was really excited um by that and, and having you know sort of people ask me engaged questions i'm like oh guys thanks <laughs> so um yeah i really enjoyed it and then following on from that um you know it's it's early days but uh yeah the response from you know it was great to meet current clients it's great to meet you know, sort of people that we're already sort of in the process with and, and chatting to and, and you know, had uh, lots of, of quite promising leads from, from potential clients as well. So, yeah, watch the space. Absolutely, absolutely. And it's, and it's also, regardless of the, the connections, it's good to give something back, right? As the talent community, it's good to just, whether it's giving a talk, whether it's, you know, the merch or just providing that value when you talk to people, when you meet them at the stand to give them an idea of who you are, what you do and how you can do things better in terms of whether it's background checks or, or, or recruitment, right? Um, yeah. And just briefly to, to look back on what you said earlier, but I do agree that, you know, there, I remember during my university days having to do stands where you're yeah. the whole day there talking to people. Oh, by already by half half the day already you're super exhausted. Like it's just mentally yeah. so draining that making it till the end of the day is just a mere possibility. And by the end, by five p.m., four p.m., you're already mentally just checked out. Like yeah. I can imagine how tiring it is. Um, so so uh, keen uh, keen to to explore the the talks and what was that uh, like and and I understand Sophie you and also Kish prepared a talk gave a talk and uh, and 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 gave some value during Recfest maybe starting with Kish I mean tell me about your your talk and what was the prep like the you know going from you know not being involved in in or just attending Recfest to hey maybe reaching out to them or they reached out to you or however it was setting up a talk preparing the the talk giving the talk give me a rundown how how did it go sure absolutely so um as i mentioned been attending Recfest for a number of years been seeing a lot of talks a lot of valuable talks one of my favorite speakers is Taron Ellis who whose talk I always i never missed i had to go to every single one of his talks Unfortunately, my talk time this year was the exact same time with his talk. So I actually had to go and find him and apologize. I'm like, oh it's the gosh. first year. <laughs> I was like, it's the first year I can't see your talk because we're on at the same time, but I'm going to watch the record. Um, but I've always had it as a bucket list item that one day, because yeah. I, I, you know, I like, I'm really geeky about recruitment. I'll talk to, to anyone about sourcing as long as they give me the time until the eyes start glazing over. So I um, always thought that I wanted to do a talk and Recfest actually has a, a really cool, they've, they've got an application process. So if you go into the website, it says apply to be a speaker and that's exactly the process I followed. Apply to be a speaker, show them, you know, gave them my ideas of what I want to talk about. Of course, it was sourcing related uh, and why I think it'd be valuable for other people. Um, and they were amazing throughout the whole process. They went back and forth. Um, and internally, I do a lot of talks at Adobe. Um, I do a lot of, you know, training uh, training mentoring sessions um just in and around sourcing so i thought this would be a good experience to do that externally so i'd had a bit of practice but i wanted to 
reach out to a wider audience. So um, they were great and, you know, saying this is what we'd like to see, this is what the talk's going to be, uh, like how it's going to be scheduled. They're this talk system. So I think it's Bizarbo, Biz- Bizarbo, I think they use. Um, again, great system. Upload your talks. They have your tasks of what you need to prepare by which date. So being a new speaker is all very clear in terms of how to, when to submit things, how to submit things, and what format they need to be in, which is really important because if you submit the wrong format, I think if you submit a dot pages document over to them, they're, they're not going to be able to load your, your talk onto the screen. Mm. Um, but yeah, submitted my talk, got selected, um, and they gave me a few weeks to prep. I already had the idea in my mind and I want to talk to talk about the sourcing strategy because I've been a sourcer for a number of years, um, but I really like how we've set up our sourcing strategy here at Adobe and I really like what we do. So uh, essentially what I wanted to do is just talk to the world a bit about that. Uh, it's a bit of a shameless plug as well. So, you know, if so, someone's curious to work on sourcing Adobe, they'll have some sort of insight. Um, but also it is something I'm passionate about and, you know, help. Uh, some of the stuff already existed some of the stuff I've helped shape so I just wanted to give some some view into that and how to do it if someone was interested in building the sourcing strategy in that way so the prep was you know making sure I knew exactly what I wanted to talk about so you know putting together my my, my crux of the bullet points so you know I need to have a good tagline so you know initially I started off with a joke that you know I used a, a headline generator to generate the title of my talk because I genuinely was nervous people weren't going to sign up. So I was like, mm. okay, I get good email responses with this headline generator, so I'll use this to come up with a good scoring headline. And it kind of works. I think there was a pretty much full attempt there. Um, and then okay. after this, I wanted to have you know the, the conclusion of what do I want to drive from this talk? What do I want the audience to take away? The best talks I've always seen have, you know, not like a not a call to action, but just like you know, a point that you want to drive home as to why this is important and why you know this is valuable. So the stage I was in is excellence in TA. Um, so it's about you know doing things in TA and, and why you know it's been beneficial to your org or you know and why you want to share it externally. So uh, that's why I prepped. I prepped the content from okay, this is title. This is the content I'm going to prep. Talk through. Um, put all my slides together, put all the material together, then also what point I wanted to drive home. And the talk's going to be available, but I can briefly go through, you know, all of, I don't want to bore everyone about talking about sourcing <laughs> again. So, and I can, you, can, you can watch the video when it's out there. But the one thing I will say in terms of prepping, I think as important as it is to know your material and know your content, things can go wrong. So my first mm. advice is when you're going to do a talk, Prepare for the worst. By that, I mean, don't go with overly complicated slogans, overly complicated data that you're trying to memorize because all you've got is your screen in front of you. You've, you know, mm. they've got a screen so you, can, you know what slide you're on. I mistakenly had my notes on my phone, had a screen in front of me, then I was holding a mic at the same time, and then I had my water because it was a really hot tent. Mm. So trying to juggle everything at all times didn't work as well. So the start of my talk, I was massively flustered. So I think, firstly, memorize as much as you can is, is, yeah. is a key point, I'd say. Luckily, you know, adrenaline helped my, my memory. And the after the flight, five thing, years, you know? exactly. <laughs> I didn't run. Yeah. I stayed and <laughs> waited until the end. But the first five minutes were a bit of a ramble. And I was like, oh, man, I had to, I had to eventually decide, do I give up this clicker? Do I put a clicker on the table? Do I drop my notes? What do I do? So I ended up dropping my notes. And then just freestyling the rest of the talk. Um, luckily, all of the, the, the stuff came back. So I'd highly advise, rather than going for notes, go for shorter points that you can easily memorize. And secondly, yeah. which I didn't do, was actually someone gave me the advice after, which is about do some research around public speaking, what key things you should know. I know this now, but I didn't know it then. Yeah. If you want to address the whole crowd, this person taught me the triangle technique. She's actually my team, mm. Christina. She's a great sourcer. She taught me this triangle technique, which is just like, look to your left, focus on one person, um, and then do your furthest left. Then look at the back of the audience and focus on one person, and then look to the, or to the right and focus on one person, and then keep circulating between the three points. And then you're given the impression you're talking to everyone. And I'm like, oh, that's fantastic advice. I'm glad you've told me after my talk. <laughs> um, <laughs> But just for anyone prepping for a talk, that's just some advice, um, you know, for, for your prep yeah. for next time. But if I were to ever do a public speaking again, 
I think, you know, I would actually review public speaking because it's the fight or flight kicks in. It's not about knowing material. It's about then how do you deliver and captivate the audience? So there, there's a different yeah. skill set, which I didn't think about at all. I was like, oh, I know sourcing. If someone questions me, I, I can, you know, I, I know my talk in and out. I know why I'm passionate about it. But it doesn't come down to that. It also comes down to being good public speaker. So it gave me valuable experience in this. Yeah. Yeah, on that on that point, I mean, it quite resonates. One thing you said is that uh, knowing your material by heart, but also like I don't know where I read this before, but it's good to if you're going to give a talk, you need to know uh, whatever you're going to present. You need to know ten times more than what what you're going to present. Like you need to know the topic. Like uh, you need to master the topic, and you know if you present only ten percent of your knowledge, you need to have that hundred percent waiting behind right so so really be a true master in the in the topic more or less um and i think it also because you you might forget things you might struggle but but the more you know the topic the less you you'll forget or you can fit in with different sort of um uh, information that you might know um and at the same time i mean maybe during the question session who knows what you're going to throw at you right like i've seen during some of these talks uh speakers really struggle during the the questions right like oh yeah. thank you for the talk any questions and then someone throws in this this sort of question that they totally didn't prepare for and you can really see the visible sort of oh snap i don't know the answer to to this and yeah. then they sort of improvise a, a a very fumbled answer uh, in between so so i i completely agree i think that's that's yeah. that's truly helpful definitely I uh, I found that with the talk that I did. So I uh, we did a talk at our stand um, breakfast, asking to sort of host like a, a bit of a Q and A kind of fireside type chat. So I did that with my colleague Matt, who's uh, in the sales team, and uh, his background is background checking. Um, he's been working in, in the industry in the space for, for a number of years now, which is great. Um, he he knows background checking i know recruiting what could possibly go wrong um <laughs> so uh yeah we you know we had slides to prompt us um matt had some notes i uh, went in a bit cavalier admittedly and was like right i, I, I can win this i know what i'm doing um in hindsight was probably making my colleague a bit nervous um but i uh just my, my brain just works like that um but it, it went really well um the talk itself but then yeah the questions at the end uh I got a bit blindsided with some really technical questions about you know certain types of background checks and things like that and shamefully I did not know the answer had I prepped maybe I would have done um so sort of very quickly uh was sort of waving a colleague down to sort of be like uh yeah so um that's a great question. I um, am not the expert on that specific topic, but my uh, co-founder, Luke, it will be very helpful. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, yeah, so I think the, the point on knowing, you know, 10 times more on your topic than you're actually going to talk about is a really uh, sort of good point there because um, I definitely uh, felt uh, the pressure having not done that uh, before our talk. And what was the the prepping for you like, Sophie? Because I understand fireside chats, like I attended a few and they're a bit more like um, I, I went in blind, like I didn't know sort of what the difference is, but I think they're more improvised. It kind of feels like more of a chat. It's not a presentation. It's more of a chat between a host kind of and um, a guest almost like it's a talk, yeah. it's a back and forth, right? Yeah, so we we kind of ran it in that style. So Matt had some questions for me and then, um, you know, I, I kind of went through them and, and answered them. So a lot of it was about drawing on on kind of my my professional experience and, and sort of history with background checks. So uh, a few funny anecdotes. Um, it's, uh, I won't go into them. You had to be there. Um, but yeah, I've certainly got some funny stories of, of background checks gone gone wild um and uh so yes yeah, so it sort of told a, a few anecdotes so for for me yeah the prep process is more just about what what anecdotes am I going to use um how am I going to draw that back to to zinc 
um, and and sort of how how zinc can kind of help with, with those kinds of pitfalls. And I think the main thing was actually just sort of keeping my overactive imagination in check. Um, <laughs> I can, I am guilty of going off on a tangent. Um, sort of being neurodiverse, sometimes my brain makes connections that make perfect sense to me but nobody else um so yeah so a lot of my prep was actually keeping sort of those bullet points and and sort of what the overall purpose and and that that not calls to action but you know sort of what are you what do you want the audience to get out of it in mind um just to keep things on on point and um, because you know you've only got you've only got 30 minutes which feels like a really long time but actually flies by in the moment yeah, I've always felt that when giving presentations, I feel the same way, like time just flies. And yeah. it's this weird, uh, like the feeling is just like, like this adrenaline that kicks in, right? It's, yeah, it's literally like adrenaline, like, uh, and it's not a yeah. fear, like it's a different sort of like, uh, yeah, I guess, especially if you're talking about something you're passionate about, like it's a, yeah. It could be a positive feeling, right? I mean, I can imagine for people, a lot of people, it can be scary, but at least uh, for me, when I give talks, like I don't always, I, I barely give them, but when I do, it's tons of fear leading up to yeah. the moment, like tons, tons, tons of fear. Yeah. Uh, but then when the moment comes, I it's like this relaxing sort of slash adrenaline type type feeling. Yeah. I don't know if that was the same for you. Yeah, I, I definitely felt like you get, you get the rush and you're like, oh wait I know what I'm doing cool yeah. <laughs> but I I've, I've, I've got a reasonable uh amount of public speaking practice and uh in, my, in a past life I went to theatre schools as well so it's a lot of mm. a lot of kind of public speaking and presenting practice there Kishmay oh, awesome. Kishmay as a first time speaker felt felt different I, I did feel different to be fair um <laughs> Well, you could, you, they, they, we had a tent, you know, where the speakers were, were able to prep and stuff. So I was in the yeah. tent frantically prepping. So I missed a few talks I wanted to see because I was like, right, the nerves are getting to me. I need to know my material. So I was frantically, I wasn't even prepping. I was just reviewing material in, in my zone. head. Yeah, exactly. So I was just in the zone. And everything after I had that moment of calm, there is that moment of calm just before you give the talk. But that suddenly got shattered when I realized I've got, two hands and multiple objects to carry. Mm. So that's what I was saying. Prepare for the worst to happen. And then if that does happen, you're able to, you know, just breathe through it is my advice. Yeah. I managed to, again, as I mentioned, yeah, they do it after a few minutes. But initially, you know, if something does go wrong, it's not the end of the world. You can just kind of move aside and then, you know, just continue talking. And the, the great thing about breakfast is as well is people are super friendly. I've, I've, every time yeah. I've been to breakfast, I've, kind of you know felt surrounded by super friendly people um so yeah. that's why that pressure of presenting to a group of professionals wasn't there in in, the, in a normal professional setting if i was doing a more of a you know that's a hr conference which is in a more professional setting in an auditorium somewhere the pressure would be very yeah. different compared to breakfast breakfast does tend to feel a bit more chill it does feel a bit festively everyone's in good spirits I did yeah. see a few people with beers doing talks, so that kind of made me feel a bit calm. Like, okay, I'm, I'm giving a bit of an informal but formal talk. Um, but yeah, I, I think I, I initially did have that panic. Like, okay, I need to know my stuff now. Yeah, sure, sure. I can imagine if you're starting a presentation. That's the thing. Like, then things go wrong. Like, oh, the PowerPoint is being fiddly and not working or your notes like you forgot that one page of your notes that you can't find on the spot right like you're on the spot and you gotta sort of yeah. improvise so I can imagine that's that catches you off guard and and you gotta then sort of come back from an awkward moment yeah. um briefly before before the segue into into the next uh into the next topic but just a quick one off top of your heads like favorite moment from breakfast and and maybe uh not so favorite maybe even worse moments, like, uh, I mean, the those restrooms, right, were a bit... Mm. Yeah, yeah, it is always the way with the festival, though, isn't mm. it? Um, you know, always the way. Festival. Yeah, I think so. Um, I, I, I always kind of went to the ones like right at the back, which I think most people couldn't be bothered to walk to, so we're slightly better. Um so yeah, I always find the most inconveniently located ones. They're usually the, mm. the less gross. Um, 
<laughs> yeah, um, to be fair, but, that was the key for festivals in general. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and then at best moment, oh my word, I think for me it was a sort of a tie between seeing my team absolutely just smash it like they were so high energy all day um and they worked really hard from like I said we arrived in Stevenage at seven o'clock in the morning um and we accidentally boarded a slow train back to London so we did not get Mm. back uh home till sort of you know gone midnight um and you know yeah they the energy did not you know, did not kind of drop um, from from quite literally dawn to dusk. Uh, yeah, I was uh, so blown away by that, and and you know, just just loves to see it. Um, other favourite thing because I'm greedy and I can have picked just one uh, classic Libra um, <laughs> would be <laughs> definitely seeing just seeing people so you know I, I got to see people that I haven't seen you know because of events for. Yeah, like two, maybe even three years. Um, and it was just so lovely. I got, you know, really overexcited at just seeing people again, um, as I always do in these big events. Um, and it was just so wonderful. Because um, I do, you know, the recruitment community, you know, I've made so many amazing friends out of that. And actually, Wreckfest is, is you know, in partly to, to thank for that, um, you know. Uh, I've made I've made amazing friends literally off the back of breakfast. Sup, Kish? Um, you know, um, off the back of breakfast. You know, like we've we've been out to gigs together and everything. So, you know, it's I wouldn't have that without breakfast. So for me, actually, just seeing people um, and and thinking of all you know all the wonderful things um, that, that the TA community has, has sort of brought to my life uh, makes me really happy. Yeah, I would, I would, uh, I would agree with that. Like, number one was just seeing uh, friends again. I yeah. remember just walking in between stands and then bumping into people like, "Oh, Jose, there you are!" And I'm like, "Oh, these guys that I haven't seen in a while from yeah. a previous company," and then just catching up, having a beer, talking yeah. about recruitment, complaining about this and that. Right. So <laughs> that's always uh, fun. Uh, I would just quickly add also just going from stand to stand and just getting food from them just, just yeah. being uh, cheeky just you know oh you got ice cream i'll get an ice cream you got popcorn oh i'll grab some popcorn yeah. uh Absolutely. You know, so uh so that was a definitely uh, a fun moment about you kish i guess you know the true highlight was just giving the presentation right or any other special moments uh i think i, I had a few from the day so one of them was you know of course didn't give the presentation um but actually, Reggie Yates was moderating my stage. And yeah, a bit of, bro. A bit of a fanboy. Cool. Yeah, so. I saw. I saw <laughs> yeah, a video so. of you guys. Yeah. So at the end of it, he was like asking during the Q&A, um, commented on my, on my bun and my beard, which was quite funny. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that was, that was a big highlight, like actually having Reggie Yates moderate. So I felt a bit, a bit of a celeb at the time. But my second favorite moment happens immediately after my talk. So my manager, you know, was slightly stressed about giving this talk. So the minute I stepped off stage, she had to shut aside waiting for me. I hadn't drank throughout the whole time before because I didn't want to mm. mess up the talk. So the minute I stepped off stage, she's like, hey, you go, here's a side. I was like, okay, that's a sign of a great manager. Well earned. Well <laughs> so, earned. So, yeah, so that, that, was, that was a good moment. But apart from that, I think I'd concur with both of you. Just seeing people I haven't seen in a really, really long time. And actually, even in my own team, like it's it's you know we've we've hired people into the team remotely we meet once every every so often we don't really know people you know outside of you know the working hours or outside of videos yeah. or video conferences so it's really good to meet people in person and you know spend a day together so that was was a highlight i don't think i really had any negatives i think i'm just trying to think back i don't think there was there was literally anything negative the queue at the start was a bit long but i mean i'm used to queuing at festivals um, so my uh, my hangover the next day wasn't great. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah, you can tell I'm yeah, it's definitely a breakfast in your thirties. It's different. Um, so it was a sprightly twenty something when I started going to them. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lesson learned. <laughs> yeah. I think the first time we met at breakfast, I, I don't think you came second, but we ended up going to heaven at the end. So it was <laughs> oh yes, you did, didn't you? Yeah, no, I yeah. I ducked off. Um, yeah, that hangover the next day wasn't good. 
no. <laughs> yeah, I was. I think I was lucky. I was just trying to be sort of, you know, I guess responsible. Like, oh, I'll just have a couple of beers, but um, but not overdo it or anything. Like, and of course, the people that know me know I can't handle my my drinks too well. So it's smart of me to just uh, take it easy and not go overboard with with drinks or anything like that. But yeah, definitely agree. The people, the the vibe was there. The the friends, the presentation. So overall, a very good, a very good day, and and looking forward to the next one. You guys doing presentations again by any chance, or uh, or maybe this is going to be the last one for a while. I think for now, I'm, I'm satisfied. I've ticked it off the bucket list, so we'll have to see how I'm feeling next year, and if the feedback's good. So <laughs> I don't know what the feedback's going to be like. So we'll have to wait and see. But I think for now, I'm pretty set that I've ticked one off the bucket list. So um, we'll see. I, I could be persuaded. I could be persuaded. Mm. I've got to think of a topic though. Um, Cause I think if I do a talk next year, I'll probably be, wouldn't have a co-pilot with me. So um, yeah. Yeah. We'll see. I, I'll have to have a think. I think actually getting a topic written and created and put together is the, the difficult bit for me. It's a lot of organizing. Um <laughs> Sure, sure. Well, the, the, getting the topic for me is easy because I, I run the internally Adobe. We've got something called the Sourcing Lab, where once a month mm. I do a training webinar on a different sourcing technique, sourcing method. Some of the team do this, uh-huh. so I've literally got a repository of topics I can talk through. But it's the Amazing. fact of the whole public speaking thing. I think I need to crack that first before I attempt my next one. Yeah, I think the the, the generating ideas, like you know, I mean, we're, we're to be fair, recruitment is is somewhat complex, right? So there's definitely yeah a good amount of topics, whether it's sourcing, interviewing, stakeholder management, uh, tools, tons of stuff, right, that, that you can go into. Um, so, uh, but also things you, you might be passionate about from your personal life or your sort of how, how you might be sort of experiencing recruitment differently than the rest. So that's one thing to, to consider. But look, the, the last topic I wanted to, to to touch with you all was sort of the current, um, uh, I don't know if you've maybe experienced this also, but the current sort of uh, hiring market, especially in London, although Kish, you, I think you, you, you're broader, right? So I think you do IMEA, broadly yep. speaking, or, but yeah, sort of just with companies doing layoffs. I mean, you've seen Klarna, you've seen Hopin also do layoffs. So it's been quite a hectic last couple of weeks um uh, in hiring just broadly you know not that we need to go into too too many specifics but how are you guys experiencing the market and speaking with candidates and finding candidates getting offers accepted like how are things going with you guys yeah um so i am in a seed stage startup um we are just under 20 people although i've made more than 20 you know subject to, to notice periods and just waiting for people to join mm. certainly just i think we're just about to edge over 20 which is very exciting because cool. employee number 10 you know not to brag but yeah in uh you know in the grand scheme of things that's a very small company still um so Double the uh, headcount by 50 percent well there you go but you know uh 100 no so it's double so 100 percent Double the company. Oh, oh God, don't, don't ask me to do maths. I rely <laughs> oh, heavily sure. on Excel. Uh, all, you you didn't say there was going to be math questions in this prep. Course. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> But, um, you know, we are a really small stage business. And obviously, with all of the, there's, you know, a lot of, uh, you know, sort of press about startups making layoffs um, and, and, you know, scale up businesses as well. Uh, so, I have noticed when I'm having initial discussions with candidates, whereas before they'd ask questions along the lines of, you know, what's your runway like? Um, It's now more like, what's your route to profitability? Have you found product market fit? You know, candidates, and I think this is a good thing because it always concerned me that candidates wouldn't ask enough questions like that. Mm, Um, You know, uh, it sort of felt like they're asking what the runway is, but they don't really understand like what that actually means. So 
you know, I think it's great to see candidates scrutinising these businesses more at that early stage um, and helping helping themselves to make the most informed choice that they can. But I have really seen that that trend. Um, and, you know, we're in a fortunate position where, you know, sort of we're, we're cash positive and, and we make money um, and operate out of profit. So I'm, you know, I'm, I'm in the nice position of not having to fluff my answers um, and I can give an honest one and it's good news. Uh, so I'm pretty happy with that. But yeah, it's, I have noticed the scrutiny from candidates and I, I think it's rightly said. I, I think people should be asking um, these questions because I do, you know, I've seen, uh, and I've seen this cycle happen quite a few times in the, the years I've been working in startups. I'm by no means a veteran, but I'm, I'm getting there. Um, and yeah, startups are, you know, notorious for expanding and contracting. Um, and I've seen that cycle happen a couple of times now. Um, so I'm not shocked with every boom comes a bust. Um, but it's certainly happening quicker. You know, sort of the sort of the in-between period is, is getting shorter. Um, so it seems like only five minutes ago, a, a company would be hiring like crazy um, and then laying off like crazy. Um, and I think that's a bit concerning because um, I don't think I don't think the right success metrics for some of these startups are you know sort of being driven. Um, you know you can't have you know headcount growth is great to look at as a measure of success, but if you're using it as your main one, you know what about profitability? What about product market fit? What about um, you know all of the things that keep these people that you're hiring in, in jobs that pay their, their rent, their mortgage, um, put, put shoes on their kids' feet. Um, you know, what about all these factors? Um, but yeah, well, what about what about you folks? What do you think? Um, from my side, it's, it's slightly different. So, you know, mm. Adobe's been strong in the game in hiring. And, yeah. And actually, I'm not getting that many tough questions from candidates because you can just research the stock and you can see the stock trends and you know our reports are out there the company filing so of course so the, it's 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 a bit easier to navigate these conversations because i can just say hey you can just research this yourself it's just you know it's the, the data is readily available there is you know yeah. the, the the mindset is slightly shifting you know from from certain candidates there's a bit of nervousness of leaving where they are just because yeah you know, macroeconomically, there's 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 a shift. You know, people people are predicting certain you know trends in the future which could, which could affect dozens of people. So, I think people prefer to be safe. So, you know, yeah. engaging and getting people over the line is getting a bit tougher. But I'd say in some yeah. areas, in some areas, there's a bit of a boom. So, it, it's it's very different from my perspective. I haven't noticed any any huge shifts from the market. I have noticed, of course, there's, there's been a few layoffs and it's an unfortunate situation. So the one thing I do mm. is try and share. So I, I think someone in DBR shared the layoffs.fyi tracker. Yeah. So this yeah. tracker, whoever created it, is a godsend because I use this. <laughs> um, and, you know, I want to try and help anyone who's affected by the situation. So um, I, if, if you're a recruiter in a large company and you're hiring, use this as your baseline. You know, reach out to these people yeah. first so you can help people in this situation. Um but apart from that, what I try to do is, and again, I'd be transparent, I don't know economics as well as I should. So I do use, Indeed's got this thing called the Hiring Lab, um, where the economists yeah. talk about, you know, trends and, and data in, in terms of um, mm -hmm. the economy, where it's heading, you know, any trends they're noticing, and they always present the data based on, you know, on their own backend. I worked at Indeed and I worked and I've you know met some of these economists and they're they're really intelligent people. So I've signed up to that just to keep on top of any trends or data that I should be aware that's of. That's a good so idea. That's how I, I educate myself. So you know I can't be an expert at everything, and you know I have to admit where where I don't know much or understand much about stocks, shares, and except I know what's positive, what's negative. Um, mm -hmm. But you know to keep on top of trends and just to slightly educate myself, that's one of the tools I use. Um, but yeah, there's been a slight nervousness from people shifting jobs as well. I've noticed yeah. recently. Yeah, I've noticed really an increase in inbound. Um, again, we're a really small early stage 20 person startup. Um, so I am quite surprised at the amount of inbound applications we get compared to other startups I've worked out that have been more high profile, been larger, um, and things like that. And actually, you know, the inbound there was non-existent, but then 
you know, this, this sort of tiny but awesome uh, startup is, is getting, you know, a lot of inbound interest. Like I recently recruited a role and I had 150 applications. Um, mm. It's, uh, you know, um, Kish will be horrified to hear that my, my sourcing muscles were, are a little bit rusty. Um, at the moment, um, yeah, I'm an advocate for a source. Source when you need to. You don't need to source for every single role. And if you get in the inbound, yeah. prioritize that. Yeah, and you know it's it's interesting. So it's uh, you know I I have been doing you know sourcing for some you know some roles I do have to source for, um, but it's you know it's in the past maybe I'd have had to source for all of them, um, and you know it's been it's been interesting. So I've noticed. We get inbound, and then those candidates are, are hyper engaged, um, and you know, sort of really, uh, you know, sort of really good quality, which is awesome. Um, and you know, it gives me something to kind of go off from a talent attraction perspective. But yeah, I think the sourced market, on the other hand, um, and uh, you know, I'm I'm not sort of anywhere near on on the level that Kish is. Um, and uh, I've, I've gone to him a few times to get some, some coaching and some help with that, which has been really brilliant um, and an amazing help. But, um, you know, I found that, you know, normally I, I would enjoy sort of a, a decent enough response rate, but it's, it's gone from sort of, you know, maybe kind of 60, 50% response rate, which I think is quite respectable to <laughs> nothing. <laughs> I think barely, barely, barely 5% um and and you know sort of it's yeah it's been interesting um because i suppose you know people are clinging onto their jobs more the folks who are being laid off for going on these lists they're getting bombarded um i was made redundant at the end of november last year and i do remember that feeling of, of having lots and lots of people messaging you all at once right after you've just lost your job um and it was uh yeah really overwhelming when you're trying to wrap your head around it so there's a little bit of that as well I think um even in candidates that you know you know are looking for work because you know they've been laid off and they've agreed to be put on list uh, to be contacted um but even so um it's still quite an overwhelming thing for them Absolutely. I think you know when dealing with them transparency is key yeah you know, just be as transparent Definitely. about the role and whatever you're trying to contact them yeah. As opposed to, you know, just trying to get a conversation going, just be like, this is what the role is. You know, if you can share salary, share salary, just be upfront as, as much as you can yeah. so people can make a quick decision on whether it's of interest or not. Yeah, definitely. I think that, that transparency piece is, is really important. Um, that we're fortunate at, at Sync where I've got, you know, sort of a lot of support from, from the team to kind of be transparent about salaries, work practices, all of that good stuff. So that that definitely helps um, for sure. Um, also helps with kind of like market feedback as well um, and making sure, you know, for people that you're actually speaking to are like, you know, you're getting a consistent story of, of one way or the other, then you can adjust, um, which is really helpful. So, yeah. Yeah, if anything, I mean, there's good space to um, sort of manage expectations with hiring managers and stakeholders when it comes to the market and certain reservations that candidate candidates have, right? Like, it's very easy now to, to an extent to come back to hiring managers and say, look, candidates have reservations about making a move right now. They want to know X, Y, and Z about runway, about funding, about growth, about profitability, so um, what can we say about these topics? What can we talk to about candidates to make sure that they're making the right move with us and to have yeah. them fully informed when it comes to moving into an interview process? Um, at the same time, it's good that we're putting startups in and fast growth scale-ups on the spot uh, mm. with these questions. And, and I guess investors are like providing funding, but at the same time, asking questions about profitability and how to grow sustainably. I mean, it's before it was good that companies got funding. And now when companies get funding, you see these events where like, oh, companies, company X got funding, but they had to cut down staff. Like, wait a minute, I thought getting funding was a good thing. Like when, when did we go from funding plus, plus layoffs at the same time? Like generally yeah. speaking, funding meant growth, right? But in these cases, um, you know, it, it can be different. So that's one yeah. thing to 
to um, to consider. At least from my side, I've also I think my experience is closer to to that of Sophie, where candidates are asking tough questions and really sort of putting you on the spot in terms of your your company and growth and and your plans. Right. Um, yeah. I think for me, it's also a bit different because uh, where so I work for a mortgage lender, right? Yeah. And uh, with this, you know, in this economy, ca- candidates are like, wait, so, oh, you're a mortgage lender in this economy. Tell me about your growth and your plans and how you see <laughs> interest rates sort of hitting you and this and that. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, I mean, it's, uh, but it's exciting, you know, it's, uh, it's a challenge mm-hmm. and it's, um, and, com- you know, candidates still believe in, in the mission and what yeah. you're trying to achieve. That's so. So that's one thing to to consider. Yeah, I um, I think actually, um, if you sort of one way of, of sort of looking at it in terms of like analogies and, and how it mirrors other areas of lives, like the scrutiny that, that startups are under versus the, the the free, you know, sort of the not really nearly, but not far off uh, kind of nature of, of funding being given out in the past is not too dissimilar. Uh, to mortgages actually back in the day um mm. you know I was chatting to a relative of mine um uh at the weekend and she was saying how you know she got her first mortgage because it just seemed to make more sense than renting so she just went to a bank with her mate and they gave her a mortgage that day um no mm. deposit nothing wow. um no it was that easy <laughs> I know I know and uh, she's like you you know you've got an you know I've I've, uh, I'm, I'm still chugging away at building up that deposit. Um, so, you know, it's uh, where response comes time used to give up mortgages willy nilly um, for a, a short period of, of time anyway. Um, and now they're under much more scrutiny, affordability. Um, are you actually going to, you know, are you going to make the bank any money? Um, are you going to be able to pay this back? Um, you know, and the bank is sort of looking at you and going, what am I getting out of this transaction? I think maybe it's not too dissimilar to sort of what uh vcs and and sort of investors are, are looking at when they're, they're looking at these startups these days it's just like what kind of profit am i going to get out of this um is this viable um are, am i going to make my money back in a bit um it's always going to be you know investments and investing is always going to be uh you know it's going to be an element of risk there but i think they are managing their their risk uh, profile very very diligently these days compared to perhaps the past yeah who knows i mean maybe this is a good development now or mm. hopefully moving forward startups or scale-ups will grow sustainably and short term we might need to feel the shock a little bit of things like Hopin or klarna going yeah. through these layoffs and truly truly unfortunate right but yeah. hopefully long term that means sustainable growth from companies and mm. that means more job security and 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 funding companies that actually have a good sort of market fit and and yeah. business case to to grow right but you know that's yeah. just the the recruiter in me and you always have to be sort yeah. of a glass half full type person right otherwise yeah. you'll just yeah, you uh, you'll just go crazy well well look on on this note for uh, if we want to find out more about you guys Sophie or or Kish where can we go um easiest way to get hold of me would be my linkedin profile i think um if you are an in-house recruiter or hr professional um and you're interested in joining the dbr network or are already a member um i'm at power in there as well um but yeah uh, linkedin would probably be the easiest way to get in touch with me drop me a message same with me um linkedin i, I dreamed of writing a blog but um Again, I'm not come around to it. It was just one of those projects that never come to fruition. Uh, yeah, but yeah, LinkedIn or, or DBR are the places you can find me. Uh, I am on Twitter, but I haven't tweeted since 2018. So probably not any intelligent insight on there anymore anyway. Yeah. Um, but yeah, LinkedIn's the best. You can find me. It's linkedin.com forward slash IN forward slash Kishin L. Um, and that's the best way to find me. Of course, of course. Oh, mine's, well, look, both. Well, thank you so much. Sticky. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> Sorry, I think there's a delay on this now. Uh, no, I was just saying, my oh yeah, my Sophie L Power, but um, yeah, I uh, deleted my Twitter a long ago, so I am not on Twitter. <laughs> 
Sure, sure. Well, look, both, thank you so much for taking the time for not just the RecFest presentations and the stands and the goodies and the swag and everything, but also for attending this episode. It was great catching up again with you and hopefully till the next time. 